0: Mark Spector, a.k.a. Moon Knight, is deeply entrenched in the Egyptian mythos. However, he does have a religious background. What is it? Stick around and find out. The answer might just surprise you. Hello. Welcome to Fantastic Comic Fan. I am your host, R.T. Fleming, and it is my mission to help you find your next digital comic book pick from the golden age to now. I have been reading comic books for over 40 years and have never lost my passion for comic books. Something I try to pass on to old and new readers. Hello, welcome to episode 22 for Thursday, April 7, 2022. Now I've been thinking about the direction of this podcast, and I decided themed episodes are not quite working out right now. For starters, I have concerns people will tune out an episode because they think the theme might be something they're not going to be interested in reading. I started a fantastic comic fan to cover all comics of all the ages, from the golden age to now. I think there are great comics to read and taken into the context of the times they were published. I wanted to do a short episode on Thursday that showcased Golden Silver Age comics, but, unfortunately, a new comic book fan might turn their nose up to those offerings. I wanted to spotlight smaller indies on Tuesday, but there's also no big hook to compel someone to listen to that episode, and those smaller independents might get lost. Another problem is that themed episodes take a lot of time to plan and resources. The Fantastic Comic Fan Podcast is a one-person show. I have a life, a real job, and a million other things going on, just like you. This time around, the Dell Comics feature was meant to be done last month. Unfortunately, it was also supposed to be part of one of the Golden, Silver, Age episodes that I didn't get around to finishing. I'm not saying themed episodes are gone for good, but for now, I'm going to sprinkle content and things throughout the episodes and see how it goes. Now, I'm not one to jump on the bandwagons, but I also know that Moon Knight is on everyone's radar due to the Disney Plus show. So this time around, I found a fun Marvel 201 team-up from the early days of Moon Knight's career. Finally, routing out this issue is a different review. Vlada, a Dracula tale. Hey, I'm always looking to throw vampires into a podcast. It's something I think you might want to sink your teeth into yourself we got some fun stuff coming up in future episodes. I hope you stick around and see what's coming. If you like what you hear, tell a friend. If you don't like what you hear, let me know. I'm always open to making this a better podcast. You can reach me, a fantastic comic fan, all one word, at gmail.com. Now, on to the rest of the episode. Hello, vampires. And I'm always looking for a way to add them to the podcast. So this time around... I want to talk about what I think is a fantastic project, which puts a new spin on the Dracula mythos. Flotta, a Dracula story, has everything you can wish for in a good vampire tale. Chris Demied and Ken Hunt have come together to create a story where all the Dracula cast has been gender swapped. Not the type of reader who looks at all the weird things like publishers and dedications and all that stuff. All those little things that happens before the tale actually begins. For me, a dedication can say a lot about a creative work. So, this is dedicated to Jack Dallas Ketchum and Bernie Wrightson, which did give me pause. Ketchum was an award-winning horror author who received numerous awards, including four Bram Stokers. Now Wrightson, he's comic book royalty. His spooky and macabre work goes back decades. Many long-term fans remember his 1970s work on Swamp Thing. Now, Chris Demied is an avid comic collector who also hosts a midnight horror-themed radio show. The Chris radio show is in Rochester, Massachusetts, <clears throat> so putting this together wasn't much of a stretch for him. Vlada, coming in at 80 pages, is a retelling that stays true to Bram Stoker's novel, while still spinning into a fresh modern twist. Now fans of Bernie Wrightson's Frankenstein will feel kinship with Lago Dracula tale. Ken Hunt has worked for DC about Time Comics and Big City Comics. So he fits right in with this project. Strategically placed throughout the story are twenty four stunningly rendered black and white illustrations. I only wish there was more to say of it because Hunt's work a fantastic job of matching the atmosphere to demi's story what's great about vlada it's not just another yawn inducing vampire yarn it's also a quick reading meaning i didn't feel bogged down at all and it's also a fun read here let me read a sample for when janice harker meets the countess for the first time janice stepped across the threshold into a large foyer where she saw a shadowy figure standing atop a large staircase Janice paused and watched with a sense of curiosity as the shadowy figure descended the stairs. Oh, um, good evening. I'm Janice Harker. I'm sorry I kept you waiting. And you're... Dracula, Janice asked. Janice held the lantern out as the shadowy figure became illuminated at the base of the stairs. The shadow faded to reveal a tall, elegantly slender woman wearing a beautiful dress. Her skin was pale in the light of the lantern with long black hair and a commanding presence the majestically beautifully woman reached her hand out to Janice and said in a velvety smooth voice welcome to my house I am Countess Vlada Dracula I bid you welcome Miss Harker Janice took note of how cold the woman's hand felt as she took it and said thank you Countess Vlada's gaze traveled Taking in Janice, her mannerisms changed as she spotted the cross hanging across Janice's neck. She quickly turned and furrowed her brow at the side of the cross as she gestured Janice to follow her. Vlad led Janice to a large dining area and pulled a chair out as she beckoned, Please be seated and eat. Excuse me that I did not join you, but I have already dined. See what I mean? Great fun. Everyone is familiar with Stoker's Dracula and all the spins on Drax Mythos. Vlada makes a great companion piece for all his vampire lovers. But even knowing the basics of Dracula's story, this had enough differences to make it a unique read. Without revealing any spoilers, something at the end suggests the story might not be quite over. I certainly hope that this is the case, because I'm definitely interested in seeing a sequel or a follow-up to see where this all goes in the future. Novlada is available on Amazon.com. You can find the link in the show notes and on the webpage. Please check it out. I think you're going to actually really, really enjoy it. Many comic book fans will spotlight comics that came out, say, X years ago. I enjoy these features, but there's comics and publishers that often get neglected. For example, in 1962, 60 years ago was a big time for Marvel Comics. Lots of characters like Spider-Man are now celebrating 60-year anniversaries, but they weren't putting out many comics. It would be a few more years before they did. So I thought I would look around, hop in my time machine, go back to March 1962 and talk about Dell Comics. And I know, hey, Mr. Podcaster, it's April. Shouldn't you be doing April 1962? Well, you know what? You got me there. This piece was supposed to go for a March podcast, but I just didn't get the chance. Now to the day, the majority of fans don't remember Dell. And I know, I almost lost 90% of my listeners because no one knows about anything about Dell Comics anymore. Okay, admittedly, they were even before my time as a comic collector. Still, what's five minutes to learn something new about the comics industry and a history you didn't know nothing about? To me, Dell Comics are part of Of comic book history an important part and they were a major publisher at the time just as important now as Marvel DC or even image these days they are high on my list because they are one of the few publishers who gave a big middle finger to that comic code when it was implemented back in 1954 and just mentioning 1954 I've again lost 90% of my audience Yet, the comics code came into existence because some people didn't like certain comic books being published. Censorship of comic books have have come and gone, and even during my many years, I've seen pushes to be censoring comic books. Lately, it's gotten more concerning as certain comics get banned in schools and libraries. I can't ever see the code getting implemented again, but I cannot say that comics will not continue to face censorship. And once you start censoring comic books, where does it stop? Where's the line? But back to Dell Comics, who in 1954 refused to run their comics through the comic code. Big deal. Yeah, it was. Most distributors wouldn't carry a comic unless it had that st- seal on the cover. Many publishers went out of business due to that code. But as Dell stated, their comics were a wholesome fun. I doubt you couldn't find anything objectable in our Dell comic if you looked really even hard. Dell was also a major publisher. In March 1962, of the 126 comic books that came out, Dell put out most at 38 comics. Charlton Comics, another great publisher, came in at second 36. DC was third at 29. And, well, Marvel was still not publishing for a lot of reasons, and they only put out 10 comic books that month. Now, since I only cover digital comics, it sometimes gets dicey on how and what I cover. Thankfully, Comic Book Plus has a huge collection of Dell comics, but unfortunately, only a handful of that month's Dells have been archived on the site. Now, licensed comics have always been an important part of the comic industry, and Dell was a big licensor, and that was where most of the bread and butter came from. In 1962, they published Bugs Bunny, Flintstones, Peanuts, Yogi Bear, and the Walt Disney comics. Now, of particular interest is Dallas Comics Combat No. 4, which is available on Comic Book Plus, which features Lieutenant John F. Kennedy and tells the story of him getting stranded in the Pacific after his naval ship went down. An inspirational tale worth checking out, even if you don't check out those other March 1962 releases. Truthfully, you'd be missing out on some kooky and I dare say creepy silver Age fun if you passed up some of these comic books. Like Barbie Inks Ken's first issue. Yeah, that Barbie. That first issue comes off with a weird Step for Wives vibe to it. And at first, you know, I thought it was just me. You know what? One of the many cool things about Comic Book Plus is it also acts as a forum where people can comment on the comics that they read. And for this Ken and Barbie, there were quite an interesting few comments about it. <clears throat> now, there's a bunch more about Dell Comics in this whole area. I'm kind of running out of time for this segment. However, you can go to my website for a list of these Dell comics and links where you can read them too. Check them out. These Dell comics from the Silver Age are worth a look over. They're fun to read if you read them within the context of the times. A Bronze Age favorite was a Thing team up book, Marvel 2 in 1, which lasted for about 100 issues. Most of the stories were done in one. There were a few silos which would span multiple issues. Ben Grimm, The Thing, can just about fit anywhere and easy to team up with anyone. The series was nice because it bounced from well-known characters like Black Widow, Thor and Black Panther, and even teamed up with some characters that most people didn't care about or didn't know much about, like Wondar, Blue Diamond, and the unforgettable Golem. It often featured characters who didn't get the spotlight and needed more attention. That's the case here when he teams up Moon Knight in issue 352 from 1979, Stephen Grant is the writer, Jim Gregg is on pencils, and Pablo's Marcos with inking duties. Truthfully, this is a different Moon Knight. First, he'd only been around for a few years, having debuted in *Wolverine by night, 32 from 1975. And Moon Knight here, at this time, didn't have his own title yet. The story opens up with Ben, suited in a real suit with a bow tie, So it appeared Mr. Grimm was getting fashion advice from Jimmy Olsen. He's at a ceremony to accept an award on behalf of Reed Richards, who, for whatever reasons, couldn't make it. Before things get going, they get going in a different direction when the bad guys show up, wanting to assassinate a fellow scientist. That's when Moon Knight shows up to help Mr. Grimm out. You can tell Mooney is new because the thing complains great. Just what the world needs. Some blasted superhero. I think Uncle Ben has been spending too much time watching Sesame Street while babysitting Franklin because he continues to channel Oscar the Grouch. After beating up the bad guys, Moon Knight heard one of the defeated baddies give Ben an address. Still, Ben refuses to verify the address. I ain't gonna tell you. I'm telling you Johnny-come-lately superheroes pointing out my own act. So beat it, Junior. I can handle it myself, the thing says as he goes looking for more bad guys. Once outside, he starts looking for a taxi, and it must be Thing's lucky day because he quickly gets a cab. But, of course, it's Jake Lockley as the driver, one of the aliases used by Moon Knight. Soon, the thing is engaged in another battle and is not so pleasantly surprised to find Moon Knight showing up again. Oh, no, the Junior G-Man again? That's an impossible, says Graham, upon Mooney's entrance. A few pages later, battling the henchmen, and we get introduced to the villain of the month, Crossfire. First, let me say, the costume looks like a Jeff Locke and Machine Man got together and had a baby. Not the best outfit for a first appearance. Of course, Moon Knight and the Thing battle Crossfire, who gets presumed dead when a bomb goes off the elevator as he tries to escape. But, however, Crosshair is not a one-shot villain, because he survives. He even has connections to Moon Knight, which is explored later in the Moon Knight mythos. I don't think these two characters meet again to get in Marvel 2 and 1, but you get a nice tale and a look at Moon Knight in the early days. A nice read. Or done in one comic. Before we wrap up, let's go back to that trivia question about what religion is Mark Spector? Mark Spector is a Jewish man. In fact, his father was a rabbi. and the recent Moon Knight series from 2020 21, still going on, faith and his Jewish roots is one of the things that's explored. Check out the series if you haven't already. It's a good run. Well, that's it for today's podcast. Again, I would love to hear from you, a fantastic comic fan, at gmail.com. Remember, new episodes every Wednesday. Thanks so much for listening to this episode, and I hope to see you next time.